Ian is a high school student here at Arapahoe UMC, and uh, he also plays that Barry Sax in our student ministry praise band. I don't know how many student ministries there are in the world that have a Barry Sax on their worship team. And that's just the kind of ministry we do here at Arapahoe. Ian, thank you for sharing your gift. So I'm going to invite Amanda to join me up here um, at her microphone because we're going to uh, engage in scripture reading a little bit differently today. Um, this is going to be new for me as well. Have you ever experienced something called a psalter before in worship? Well, uh, I have not. I'm an ordained Methodist clergy person, and this is something new. It's in our hymnals, right? There's something wrong with me in my experience, I'm sure. But Amanda is going to sing a refrain for us and is going to teach us this sort of simple uh, melody, and then we're going to engage in some responsive reading of our scripture, which comes to us from the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, and it's the Magnificat, the Song of Mary. And then at the end, we will sing our refrain once again. And so uh, join with us now in, in what may be a new experience for you, but I hope is life-giving in a different way to experience Scripture. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My, my spirit, spirit rejoices in God, God my Savior, who has looked with favor on me, a lowly servant. From this day, all generations shall call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is the name of the Lord, whose mercy is on those who fear God from generation to generation. The arm of the Lord is strong and has scattered the proud in their conceit. God has cast down the mighty from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. God has come to the aid of Israel, the chosen servant, remembering the promise of mercy the promise made to our forebears, to Abraham and his children forever. And all God's people said, amen. That's a special way to experience scripture. Many of scripture, much of scripture was originally sung. I think it's helpful for us to remember that. Uh, just a moment ago, Ian Brooks played for us, uh, What Child Is This? That song has this refrain throughout it in which it identifies the child that we are asking that question about, not as the son of God, but as the son of Mary. It's an interesting statement to make, and a theological statement in many ways to make, and it's one that I want us to center on this Sunday. 
We're in a series called The Songs of Advent, and we're looking at different songs of this Advent time. If that's not a word you're familiar with, Advent, it's a four-week season of preparing for Christmas time in the Christian calendar. And there are songs about waiting, songs about darkness, songs about searching for the Christ child who is yet to come. And, and in fact, in Scripture, there are songs like the one that we just um, heard and read together uh, this morning, uh, scriptures that are meant to be songs. They are, they are praise or, or they are prophecy, um, but these are scriptures that are songs in and of themselves. And today we take a look at, at Mary's song. Um, we call it the Magnificat. It's based on the Latin word that begins the song in, in Latin. Mary's song is, is one that um, on first glance uh, can sound, you know, um, very Christmassy and, and, and maybe prophetic. But when we look closer, we realize there's some potency in here. In fact, as people living in um, 21st century, um, most of us, I imagine, somewhere in Richardson or North Dallas, or maybe you live somewhere else, but, but did your toes get stepped on at any point in this passage that we heard read? I think it's important for us to consider what it means for Christ to not just be God's son, but to be Mary's son. We understand Jesus to be fully human and fully divine, and those words can kind of roll off our tongue, but when we take that statement seriously, that, that Christ and Jesus is, is more than we could imagine, more than any of us can really wrap our heads around to be fully human and fully divine, then that means that, that Jesus is more than simply a divine presence of God placed upon this earth, but that Jesus is firmly rooted and planted in a lived human experience that comes in Scripture and in our faithful tradition in having an earthly mother, that he grows within her womb, right? Grounded, real. So let's talk about Mary and how this song reveals the kind of heart, the kind of love that Mary possesses that will be born into Christ as well. What does it mean to identify Jesus as the son of Mary and not solely the son of God? How could it shape the way or reshape the way we understand Jesus in the role that Mary plays in the grand story of God's redemptive love? So we're going to go back through these words and, and stop along the way. It says this, and I'm going to read this time uh, from the Common English Bible translation. So the words may sound a little bit differently, but you can follow along in Luke 1, beginning in verse 46. Mary says, With all my heart, I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am, that word there is pneuma. It means like spirit and breath and soul. I'll say more about that in a second. In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God my Savior. God has looked with favor on the low status of God's servant. Look, she says, from now on, everyone will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me. So let's stop there and talk about that. In the depths of who I am, Mary says. Like I said, in the Greek, that word is pneuma. With my pneuma, I praise God. Pneuma was a, was a Greek word that would have made sense for a Greek audience. Now, this is Luke's gospel. If you don't know, there's four different gospel accounts of Jesus's life, and each one has a different kind of focus, a different kind of story that it's trying to tell, even though they're all about Jesus. Luke's gospel is specifically a story about a, a Christ who comes for all the world. 
A Christ who comes specifically for those who are outcasts, those who are pushed to the margins, those who are seen as less than in their surrounding community. And it was going to be, it's an audience that is uniquely Greek. They would have been more familiar with Greek philosophy than with Jewish tradition. Okay. And so this word pneuma would have really resonated for people familiar with Stoicism. Stoicism was one of the prevailing philosophies at the time, and, and the pneuma was where the soul resided. It was more than just breath or, or spirit, as we'll hear it translated frequently, but it was like the, the depth, the innermost being of who you were, right? The self underneath all the layers of what we think we are, that innermost being, that is what Mary is praising God from. But this idea of pneuma, this depth, it also, uh, it works in multiple ways. Like so much of scripture, there, there's a lot of layers of metaphor that we can play with. And, and there's a literal level here too, that she's praising God from the depths as someone experiencing pregnancy. Someone who's, who's carrying God's child in her womb. There's this literal sense of the depths of herself where this love, this praise is residing. And then there's the more symbolic depth of who she is and her lived experience as a, as a teen pregnant woman, girl, really, who maybe you've heard this story shared in this way before, but the, the news that we see is good news at Christmas time that Mary's going to have a child. It was good news, but it was also frightening news. And the fact that she was going to bear this child when she was not even yet married, meant that she was going to live her life on the outskirts of the community. She was going to live her life being talked about behind her back. She was going to live her life perhaps even afraid for what could happen to her. Joseph worries that maybe he should flee and dismiss her privately, but then is convinced to stay. I mean, this is not good news in the most like rational, level-headed sense. And so when Mary says, I praise God from the depths of my soul, from the depths of who I am, she understands what depth feels like. She knows what it is like to be seen as, as lower on the ladder, to be seen as less than, to be seen as um, dismissible or excusable, or you stay over there. We don't want you messing up our nice and holy community. Mary's song reveals something about her own love and the love that Jesus is being formed in and born into in the depths of who she is. Jesus is being formed and born into this depth of love, and he's going to be blessed by it as well. Did you hear when Mary said, all people, all people will call me blessed? You know, that word blessed gets thrown around a lot. Do you hear people using blessed frequently, sometimes maybe not in the most appropriate way, right? Sometimes it's like, oh, I got a sick parking spot. I'm so blessed, right? Or, What'd you get for Christmas? I got a Traeger, hashtag blessed, you know, smoke some meats. It's not really what blessed is about when we look at scripture. When we look at who is blessed in scripture, it's not the people for whom everything is going well. It's not the privileged and the ones who are having uh, riches and power showered upon them in this day and age. It's the folks who are experiencing pain and suffering and challenge and trial and trauma. And it's not that God blesses them with those things. It's that in the midst of those things, God blesses them with meaning and purpose that cannot be taken away. Right? So even when I'm experiencing the great pains of this life, the great sufferings of this life, even in my darkest, most lonely place, God says, I will bless you to let you know that nothing, not anything, can take away the meaning and purpose of your beautiful life. 
That's a powerful message to receive when you feel like life is robbing you of everything. To know that your meaning, your purpose can't be taken away. Mary understands what that feels like. So Jesus is formed and born into and blessed by the depth of this love that says, I will be called into a low place, but no one, not anyone, will be able to take my purpose and my meaning from me. The depth of love that Mary possesses is born out of her own lived experience. You know, Jesus' heart for the overlooked, the cast out, the scandalized is no doubt founded upon the woman who bore those experiences while she bore this child. Jesus is formed and born and blessed in the depth of Mary's love. So the scripture continues and she says this, holy is God's name. And now she shifts into this role of almost like a herald for a king, except this is a different kind of Lord. This is a different kind of kingdom that Mary is announcing. Holy is God's name. Here's what God's kingdom looks like. Who shows mercy to everyone from one generation to the next who honors God. God has shown strength with God's arm and has scattered those who are with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. God has pulled down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. Preach, Mary. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. God has come to the aid of the servant Israel. Mary announces this coming reign of God. One that she speaks of as having already happened, right? But of course, it's one that we know she looks to with holy expectation. It's one of holiness, she says, but it's a different kind of holiness that comes with an ancient bite that had been lost by the time that she was living. It meant mercy and strength, not something that people living in empires were used to seeing. This holiness of God meant scattering the arrogant and the proud, pulling down the powerful, lifting up the humiliated like Mary, filling the hungry and sending away the rich. Do you hear what she's calling for, church? This is nothing short of a revolution with Mary as the clarion call. And that might sound like radical language to assign to the Holy Mother Mary, whom we've done best in our history to paint up as meek and mild. But do you need me to read the sermon again? Do you need me to sing the song? This is a holy revolution, and Mary is not playing games. Amen? It may be hard to think of a radicalized Holy Mother, but that's exactly what we are hearing. Before King Herod, in Luke's story, is able to speak, what little power he thinks he has, he sits silent and hears the song of Mary announcing his dethroning. Hmm. Mary heralds the coming reign of God and paints a poetic picture that ought to cause fear and trembling for any who find themselves too comfortable at Christmas time, you and me included. Hmm. Can be easy to look to Herod's throne and say, I'm glad I'm not that guy. And yet, how many of us have been arrogant or proud? How often have I allowed myself to sit in seats of power without concern for those below? How often have I been happy with my own full belly, and I've been satisfied to see others go by hungry? Mary says, that life is over. If you're entering into this kingdom, life is going to change. And that means for some of us, it may get harder, but she says it's going to get better because it will be better for all. In Jesus, Mary births the greatest revolution the world has ever known. Have you ever thought of Mary as a revolution starter? 
That's exactly who she is. Just remember, my friends, biblical womanhood, hear me clearly, includes dethroning kings, speaking truth to power, and leading revolution on the part of the poor. Can I get an amen? The next time someone tries to quote Proverbs 31, quote the Magnificat. Say it's right there in the Christmas story. Now the song that Mary sings, we continue, is not simply about a birth event, but about the coming redemption that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection will invite upon all the earth. She concludes it this way, God has come to the aid of the servant Israel, remembering God's mercy, just as God promised to our ancestors, to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants forever, forever. She has the boldness, do you hear, this 14-year-old pregnant girl has the boldness to claim that this ancient thousands-year-old prophecy promised to Father Abraham, the great patriarch, will now be birthed through her womb. And not just for this day, not just for this people, but for all times and for all peoples. How scandalous this thought. The same people who are casting stones, figurative and perhaps literal, at her and at her family will soon be saved by what they call sin. She knew that the work before her and the life her son would lead was about more than becoming the next king of Israel. It was about more than simply taking Caesar out of his seat of power. It was about more than simply conquering some empires that thought they ruled the earth. This was bigger than Herod, bigger than Caesar, bigger than empires at all. This was, as she says with her final word, forever work. Mary's not playing games. Not a filling of hungry bellies today, but forever not an establishment of temporary justice, setting things right in this moment, but forever. When we talk about Jesus having the heart of God, when we talk about Jesus having the heart of God, this Sunday I'm reminded that we do well to remember that he carried the heart of Mary along with it. Mary's heart was on display when Christ healed on the Sabbath in defiance of the religious elders. Mary's heart was alive with compassion when he fed the thousands. And Mary's heart was burning for justice and mercy when he offered redemption to the thief on the cross next to his own. My friends, to worship Jesus as fully human and fully divine is to celebrate his earthly mother who had the divine spirit that was alive within her. This past week, we lost a titan in the world of philosophy and books and feminism and womanism, bell hooks. Famously said, as Pastor Maggie said a moment ago, that love is an action. It's never simply a feeling. And so what do we do having captured Mary's heart in the song of the Magnificat this morning? My friends, we take this Sunday of love and we make it action. We allow ourselves to be formed and birthed and blessed by the heart of the depth of Mary. We join the revolution that Mary is heralding for the coming reign of God. And we remember that before he was our Christ, he was Mary's Yeshua. And while the Son of God is a worthy title of a Savior, Son of Mary is the worthy title of our God. Amen.